And I hope that you'll, uh, if you have questions for him, if you'd like to know more about their ministry, I hope that you'll stop back by there and uh, greet him and uh, just find out more about uh, his ministry and how you can help, what we can do here, and, uh, and, and just about him. And if nothing else, just pick up a prayer card so that you can continue to pray for them as they travel uh, around the country. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at John chapter number 5. John chapter number 5. And I know you're looking at the time and you're saying they usually preach about half hour, 45 minutes. We should be out of here by noon. Uh, no, we'll be out of here before that. Don't worry. Um, <clears throat> I want you to... I know we came here this morning to get something from God's Word, and uh, so we're going to do that, but we'll be mindful of, the, of what time it is. Today is just kind of a little bit of a mission emphasis here in our church, and uh, this morning we're hearing from the Tice family and the mission work that they're doing. A couple of weeks ago, uh, just, uh, just over a week ago, um, our student ministry went on a mission trip and went to Philadelphia and uh, just outside of Philadelphia, Trenton, New Jersey, and uh, went on a mission trip. And um, it impacted our kids. If you, had a, if you had a student that went on the mission trip, they came back impacted by the things that they saw. Uh, you know, it, it, was, it was very interesting. The, when we got to the church, we drove for 10 hours on the bus. If you've never ridden for 10 hours on a bus, you are missing it. You need to make sure that that gets on your list of things to do before you die as a 10-hour bus ride. Um, and so we got there after 10 hours on a bus, and the pastor sat down with us for the church we were, we were going to be ministering with, and he said, uh, he said, I want to just talk with your kids. I want to give them some information. And he had all of these facts and figures and numbers that he was going to give them. And uh, after a couple of minutes, he completely scrapped what he was doing because our kids were just completely spaced out. But one of the things that he told me afterwards was this. He said, the area that we're going to go into, uh, one of the, uh, our, our group of 54 people that went on this mission trip, uh, we broke up into, I'm sorry, 45 people. We went into five different groups, uh, five different places, three in Philadelphia, two in Trenton, New Jersey. And he said, in one of the areas that you're going to go into is a six-block radius. He said, I'm going to give you some numbers. He said, I was going to give these to your kids, but your kids were like completely gone by the time I was going to give them to them, so I just skipped it. But I thought you'd find it interesting. He said, in this six-block area that they're going to go into, there are as many people, so think through this, there are as many people in six blocks in Trenton, New Jersey, as there is in all of Monclova Township. All of my, it takes you 10 minutes to drive across Monclova Township in country roads. In a six-block radius, there are as many people as in all of Monclova Township. And I thought, wow. You know, it's, it's amazing when, you, when we get out of our comfort zone and out of the place where we live and we see the need in other places, what God does in our hearts. And so this morning, I just wanted to share with you some thoughts from the, uh, John chapter 5, from this account, that hopefully we'll be able to apply to us as a church. And not just, my, my fear is that as the student minister, is that my fear is that we send our kids, if, if I were to say this morning, how many of you think we should send our kids on mission trips? I think we all would raise our hand. Why should we send them on a mission trip? So they go see something different, come back, and exa act exactly the same as they always have? 
Or do we send them on a mission trip so they see something different, so they come back changed, so they do something different here? But let me give you a secret. They need us as a church to do something different as well. They need us as a church to gather behind them and support them and encourage them. They need us as a church to not just live as we have always lived, but they need us to change as well so that we together as a church can live out God's calling on us. Pastor's been talking for the last few weeks about a healthy church. And a healthy church is a mission-minded church, a church that reaches out. And so in John chapter number 5, we're going to look here at a couple of verses. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through 9 first, and then we're going to get into the passage. John chapter 5, starting in verse number 1, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and the Jews went up to Jerusalem. Now there was at, at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man, when the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. So we're going to look at this passage this morning and, and take some of the parallels from our mission trip and, and insert them into this passage to hopefully encourage us as a church to step out and do something for God here in this area. But let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for our time together. Lord, we thank you for the challenge from uh, Sean and his ministry to the fatherless. And Lord, that is impacting our communities everywhere. Father, we pray that you'll bring blessing upon him and his ministry. Lord, use him in a great way to encourage grandparents and parents and churches and, and communities to step in and help in these situations. But Father, this morning as we are focusing on your word, Lord, I ask that you'll help us to see truths here that we can take today and we can apply to our hearts and our lives. And so, Father, we ask that you'll bless our time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to go back to the first part of this chapter, and we're going to start in verse uh, number one. After this, there was a feast, and we don't know what feast this was. This is not a designated, they don't tell us what feast this was that uh, Jesus came to Jerusalem for, but they've, as you look at the commentaries and you, and you study this out, there's basically three feasts that all of these massive people would have come to Jerusalem for. But they, they assembled in Jerusalem. Here is Jesus walking into Jerusalem. And if you've ever been to or seen uh, Jerusalem and, and you've seen how uh, all these streets kind of narrow down and the people come into these cities through these gates into Jerusalem, it was an amazing sight. And so all these people were called to come and they were, were some of the, and the men were required to be there. They all amassed in Jerusalem, and this was the hubbub of everything that was going on. And Jesus came to Jerusalem. 
Now think about this for a second. Jesus, if, if Jesus were going to come to the United States, where would he go? If Jesus were going to come to Toledo, where would he go? We would ask, why would he come to Toledo? But if he were to come to Toledo, where would we go? We'd, we'd tell him to go to a, a certain restaurant or stop by this place or see this thing. And, and we would take him to the highlights. But where does Jesus go when he gets to Jerusalem? Jesus does not go to the temple. Jesus doesn't go to uh, the famous fish market. Jesus goes to where the sick people are laying. How many of us enjoy going to where the sick, pe sick people are? I don't. I don't enjoy, that's not what I seek out, is when I think of, hey, let's go and let's have this, we're getting together for a party type of thing, let's go to where the sick people are. But that's what Jesus did. And I think as a church, if we're going to be healthy, if we're going to function as Jesus did, we have to seek out the sick people. We have to seek out those who need Jesus' help. And, and it is interesting that as we went to Philadelphia, how the things, just the culture, just the life, just the way that the buildings were made, everything changed. And you could see it on our, on our students' faces and the adults that went with us. As we began to go into this environment, and if you've ever been out to New Jersey, you've ever, ever been to Philadelphia, you know that it's just row after row after row after row of homes. And you look out as you drive along the highway, and it's just this mass of homes. And you think, man, how does anybody live in this cement jungle? And every once in a while, sticking up from this cement jungle is this peak of a church. And you can see the cross, the steeple on top of the, on top of the church. And and you just look at all of this mass of people and wonder, how could anybody live here? But we went into this mass of a jungle and, and it wasn't the wealthy people that we came across. It wasn't the people that were whole. It was amazing that as we walked into these city parks and we began to minister to people, that it was the poor and the downtrodden and the ones that didn't have as much as others had they would gather in these city parks, and there were ministries there that were feeding the kids all day long. We'd walk into a city park about 10 o'clock, and there was a table that was, uh, that was just to the side of where we were meeting, and there were four people that were sitting on this table. And uh, walked over, and they all had the same shirts on. So usually when you see people with the same shirt on, you're like, hey, they must be doing something there. So we walked over to them, and... and uh, there were two ladies and two men that were sitting there, and, and uh, I walked over to the table, and I, I said, hey, how are you all doing? And a, a lady looked up at me, and she goes, mm, you smell good. I said, well, thank you. Uh, are, are, are you all here for a, a ministry? Are you here? You know, what are you doing? She said, oh, she said, uh, the school's out. And so we're here from, uh, for breakfast time, and we feed the kids breakfast, and then we're here at lunchtime, and we feed the kids lunch, and we're here at dinner time, and we feed the kids dinner. I said, that is amazing. I said that you guys would come and spend all day long. And she said, you, yeah, I'm a bus driver during the year, but during the summers, I don't drive bus. I come to the city parks and we feed these kids. I said, you guys, that's, that is fantastic that you guys are reaching out to these kids. And this lady, she looked, she looked across to the, uh, to the lady sitting on the other side of her. She goes, he smells like a snack. I'm like, ooh, that's... A little more information than I wanted to hear. But uh, she, was, she was out there, and she, and, and she was there feeding, helping these kids in a physical way. 
But as I looked at these kids, I thought the kids don't just need food. If all we're doing is giving these kids food, we are completely missing it. Because these kids will walk away full from breakfast and they'll be coming back at lunchtime looking for something else to eat. But if we can give them, as Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you give, I will give you water and you'll never thirst again. We can give them something and they'll never be spiritually hungry again. And that was the goal of our kids. One of our girls, uh, Sadie Graham, I have a picture that I'm going to have on the screen. Sadie, she met this young man. His name is Kevin. Kevin and his six-year-old brother uh, came out to the park every day. Kevin and his six-year-old brother, it was one day, uh, Thursday, no, I'm sorry, Wednesday. The days just kind of meshed together. Uh, Wednesday, it just began to downpour. I mean, lightning. Uh, Pastor was supposed to fly back here on Wednesday evening. They canceled all planes because of the lightning that was happening. The storms were really bad. And uh, it just came on us just so fast. And uh, we're, we're just getting drenched, and we're standing in this city park, all of our kids, all of our adults. And Kevin is there. And before this, Sadie, on Tuesday, I'm sorry, on Monday, Sadie had developed a relationship, went up to Kevin and just said, hey, what's your name? And Sadie began to play with Kevin. Kevin was 11 years old. And Sadie began to play with Kevin and, and Kevin's little brother, six years old. And she began to talk with him and she began to find out his story. And they lived five blocks away. 11-year-old and a six-year-old walking five blocks, not like five of our blocks. Five blocks of just masses of people. And on Thursday, it began to rain and we walked Kevin home and his little brother. And we got home. And there was nobody there. Nobody cared. Six-year-old boy playing in a park five blocks away. Nobody cares. But Sadie cared. And Sadie asked a question that Jesus asked in this, in this passage. If you look at verse number six, it says, And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Now, Sadie didn't ask it in this way, but Jesus asked this man an interesting question. 38 years this man had been in this condition where he was lame. And Jesus asked him, do you want to get better? If that were you or me, of course we'd want to get better, right? I mean, if we can't walk, wouldn't we want to be healed? But Jesus didn't say, let me heal you. He asked him the question, do you want to be made whole? Sadie asked this young man, Kevin, Kevin, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to receive Jesus as your Savior? Sadie brought Kevin to me, and after about 15 minutes of talking with Kevin and explaining the gospel to him, Kevin bowed and prayed and asked Jesus to come into his heart. This man that Jesus went to had a thing that he had to consider now. For 38 years, he had been in this condition and had gotten pretty good at his spiel. On Thursday, we went to New York City. 
And we warn the students that when we go to New York City, that you're going to see some things that are going to be way different than what you've ever seen in Monclova. Way different than what you're going to see in Swanton. Way different than what you're going to see in Toledo. So if you think that you're going to just, it's just going to be, oh, this is nothing big. It's going to be a big deal. We got on the subway, our first subway ride, and a man came from one end of the train, came walking through, and as soon as he walked onto the train, I knew that this guy was going to give us a spiel. Now, his spiel was not anything, he didn't have a, a boombox and wasn't going to dance on the train for us. He wasn't just walking around asking for money. He opened the train door, the subway door, and those cars, if you've ever been on a subway in New York City, I don't know if it's different than, than other big cities, but these cars, there's nothing that connects them. So it's not like you, you walk from one car to another and they're connected. You step out of one car and it's open to the, to the, the rail system. I mean, you're, you could jump off the train. And this guy came through, he opened the door, he got up, in between the two cars, and he said, I'm going to kill myself. And he went on with this spiel, and the pastor that was with us, he stood up. He told Pastor Taylor to stand up, and so us three are standing blocking the view of their kids. They couldn't see what was going on. But this guy, he is lodged now between the two cars. He said, I'm going to kill myself if you guys don't give me money. My life is bad. I need, you, I need money. You guys better give me some money. I'm going I'm to jump. And people started pulling out their wallets, handing him money. He goes, that's not enough. He got back up, and he said, I'm going to jump. And so people gave him more money. As soon as he did, he closed our door, opened the door to the next car, and began to yell at them. If you guys don't give me money, I'm going to jump. Those people, you could see them. They're like, hey, get out of here. They're, they're real New Yorkers. The guy, he got down, walked to the other end of the car, opened that door, got up in between them, and gave his spiel again. And that's when I realized this guy had no intention of jumping. I didn't know this. I'm like, our kids, we've been in New York City for three minutes. Our kids are going to see a suicide. Great. But he had a spiel. Think if you've been lame for 38 years. I remember going to Romania many years ago, and uh, there are, in Romania, there's a group of people called the gypsies. And the gypsy people, they are not wanted by any group of people, and so they literally walk around and they beg for money. And a parent, in order to make his, to get more money for his family, the, this dad had taken his son's legs and had broken his son's knee so his leg bent up. And the boy literally walked like a dog around, and he would come up to your, out your table if you're eating on the outside of the restaurant. He'd come up to your table, and he would beg, and you'd just see him, and you felt pity for him, and you'd give him money. You'd give him food, and he'd take it, and he'd give it to his dad. He had a spiel. This man, for 38 years, don't you think that he had a spiel? He'd been living for 38 years with this disease, whatever it was, and Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? The man then went to his escape plan. I don't have anybody to put me in the water. I'm thinking, as I'm reading this passage, Jesus didn't ask you if you needed somebody to put you in the water. He said, do you want to get better? 
And church, I think that this passage applies to us this morning. Do we as a church ask people, do you want to be made whole? As a church, do you find yourself stepping out like Sadie did to this 11-year-old boy and saying, hey, do you want to be made whole? Because what happens is that if we're going to go to people, Jesus went to the place where sick people were that needed him, and he asked somebody a question, do you want to be made whole? It's going to cause us to have to get out of our comfort zone. This next picture you see is a picture of Matthew Bingham, one of our boys. Matthew lives in Bowling Green. And I told the kids before we left on, sun, on, on our trip, I said, what's going to happen is you're going to find your one. God has a kid for you. I don't know who that kid is. I don't know what they look like. I don't know how big or small they are. But I know that God has a kid for you. I don't know when you're going to find him. I don't know if you're going to find him on Sunday night or if you're going to find him on Wednesday night. But you're going to find your kid. Matthew Bingham found his kid. This was Wednesday night. With tears flowing down Matthew's face, he's saying goodbye to a kid that just wanted somebody to make a difference in his life. Just wanted somebody to love him. Just wanted somebody that was willing to say, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to see God do something in your life? If you look at verse number seven, I'm sorry, verse number eight, Jesus said unto him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. Jesus told him to do something that was, that he thought was impossible. This morning, my challenge is, do we want to get out of our comfort zone in order to make an impact in somebody's life? Sometimes I find that we fail to do the second command that Jesus told him. He said, rise, get up, do something impossible. Take up your mat. Take up your bed. He had to get rid of that comfort mat that he had. This next picture is a picture of Laura, one of our young ladies in our, in our youth group. She found her young, she found her kid on this mission trip. And there is a tension that happens when Jesus told that man to rise, pick up your bed, and walk. That man had to make a decision. Am I going to leave the comfort of what I know for the uncomfortable of what I don't know in order to fulfill the command that Jesus has called me to fulfill. And church today, I think that that's where we are. We have found ourselves very comfortable. It's easy to come to church here this morning. There's air conditioning. We have coffee that you can bring in here. The seats are padded. We have screens that you can look at. You don't even have to open your Bible. You can just see the scripture on the screen. We have made it really easy for you to come to church. For this little girl, she wants to know, 
Does anybody care? And night after night, Laura invested her life into this little girl. And in four days, this little girl found somebody who was willing to impact her life. Jesus said to walk. It's not enough just to rise and decide I'm going to do something different. It's not just enough to pick up our mat. But we have to walk. We have to take steps to do something different than what we're doing. This last picture is a couple of our girls. I don't know if this is the girl or not. Our kids were out knocking on doors, telling people about the vacation Bible school we're going to do in a park. They knocked on, uh, I'm sorry, they, this man pulled up in his car. They went to him and said, hey, had a flyer. We're going to get, we're having a vacation Bible school over here in this area. And some of these areas are more like projects. Some of these are more like uh, row homes, just neighborhoods. And this was more of a, of a project area. And they walked up to this man who just pulled in. They had a flyer and said, uh, where, you can actually see the red flyer in the bottom of the picture. We're having a VBS in just a little bit. And we were wondering if you had any kids that might be interested in going. He said, hang on a second. He walked inside, came back out a couple minutes later with a three-year-old girl. And said, here, just bring her back when you're done. Our kids had to get out of their comfort zone. They had to walk into the uncomfortableness that God has called them to. In church, our kids came back different. Our kids came back wanting to do something to impact our community. But they can't do it on their own. They need some moms and dads. They need some adults. They need some grandmas and grandpas that are willing to get uncomfortable with them. Beth Patterson, she went with us. Beth lives in, uh, over near Swanton and uh, has never been out of Swanton. And I told Beth, I said, it's going to be different. She was scared. She's going to give a testimony tonight, and I'm not trying to take anything that our kids are going to say tonight away from them. So if you want to hear more of what our kids experience, come back tonight. Come hear what our kids have to say about this experience that they, that they went through. And Beth was scared to death to go out into these areas. But at the end of the week, on the bus ride home after our last VBS tears just streaming down Beth's face because she saw that if she gets out of her comfort zone, if she picks up that comfort mat that she's held onto for so long and she says, I'm willing to walk where God has called me to walk, I can make a difference. In church, that's where we are this morning. I'm asking you, will you get rid of your comfort mat to make a difference in somebody's